Welcome back to Mindful Dog Talk. This is your host, Hannah, and today I'm bringing you a Q&A episode that's focusing on successful dog ownership during and after lockdown. So where I'm at, which is the greater Toronto area in Canada for any non-Canadians out there, we are currently in a lockdown uh, as of April 2021. And we've been in varying stages of different lockdowns for over a year now. So during this time, I've seen a lot of people adopt new dogs and new puppies, as well as a lot of people who have been struggling with different behavioral issues with dogs that they had previously. As well as, like I said, some of the new people who have adopted dogs have also been struggling with behavior issues. And like a lot of other trainers, I've been noticing a trend in the same types of issues that I've been seeing over and over again with the different dogs um, during this year, whether it's newer dogs or dogs that have already been a part of their families prior to the first lockdown. And the fact is that lockdown has disturbed all of our lives. Obviously, you know, it has to be done. It is what it is. But nonetheless, it has caused us to significantly change our lifestyles and definitely in a lot of cases has affected us emotionally as well. And so inevitably, a lot of our dogs have been affected by these changes as well. And I will say that it has been the changes in our lifestyles for the most part that have been causing issues um, for a lot of the dogs out there. So for today's episode, I want to talk about kind of the basic um, I kind of have two basic categories that I really want everyone to focus on during this time to both um, help their dog throughout the lockdown process, but also set their dog up for success for when hopefully soon lockdowns are a thing of the past. Um, but I also wanted to go into some Q&A because I did put a question out on Instagram and also I've been getting a lot of questions that, like I said, lots of similar questions. So first I'm going to start off by talking about kind of my general overview for what to be focusing on during lockdown to be successful with your dog um, and like I said, how to set them up for success afterwards. And then I'm going to go into specific questions um, that people have asked me about issues that they're facing with their dogs during the lockdown and as well concerns that they have about when things go back to normal. All right, let me get right into things. So when it comes to successful dog ownership during lockdown, as well as setting your dog up for success after lockdown, there's two main categories that I really want people to be focusing on. And those are maintaining, well, I guess, establishing and maintaining a very clear structure for your dog and making sure that your dog is getting adequate exercise. So topic one, and these two are not necessarily in any particular order. You really need both these things. Both are equally important. But topic one is going to be structure. Let me start off by defining what I view as structure in this case. Um, structure is a big word that gets thrown around a lot in the dog world. And I actually do have a video on my IGTV talking a little bit more about the nuances of what structure really means. But essentially, I'll start with just making a comparison or an analogy um, that I always like to make that really helps define what I mean by structure when it comes to being a dog owner. The comparison that I always like to make is a kid's day at school. So when kids show up to school, they have to line up in order to get into the school. Then they have their class time, they have their recess, they have their lunch, they have their extracurriculars, and each um, aspect of their day has a clear structure to it, meaning we know that when we're in class, we have to sit and listen. We know that we're in when we're in recess, we can play and have free time, obviously within reason, not get too crazy because the recess monitors will tell us. And we know that we're on lunch, we're supposed to eat. 
Um, we know during our extracurriculars, we're supposed to be doing those things. And even something as simple as the lining up portion to get into school is a huge aspect of the structure of a kid's day. Because if they didn't have that, imagine like the chaotic stampede that would um, happen at the beginning of every day. Or if kids didn't have a structure to their day in terms of class time, recess time, lunch time, they wouldn't necessarily know when are we supposed to be working and paying attention and being focused and calm? When are we supposed to be playing and letting off steam? Um, when are we supposed to be eating, etc. So that's kind of my comparison for structure for dogs as well, because most or not most, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of people are now working from home or home all the time and their dogs no longer have a structure to their day because typically, you know, you would leave for work, maybe walk your dog before, then your dog would be resting at home, then maybe they'd go with a dog walker and there would be kind of a structure or a regiment to their day where there's different expectations for them. But now a lot of us are home and it ends up kind of being a free-for-all for our dogs where they don't necessarily know when are they expected to be resting, when are they expected to be working, when are they expected to be playing, and um, kind of like what their role is in the household because they don't know what their expectations are throughout the day. So that's kind of like more of a general explanation or comparison of structure, but I want to get into the specific aspects of structure that I have seen to be lacking um, throughout this lockdown for a lot of dogs and why those things are important, why they matter, and as well, what structures people should be implementing throughout every single day to make sure that their dogs are essentially in a good place mentally. Okay, so talking first about some of the structures that I've found to be lacking for dogs during the lockdown um, and kind of how it's affecting them. So like I kind of said before, a lot of dogs were used to having periods of time where they were alone, periods of time that were specifically designated for them to be walking or playing, um, kind of based on actually the structure of their humans' lives previously. As you know, most of us had a work schedule, we had a social schedule, uh, schedule with our hobbies and those were times where we'd be away from our dogs or time and like within those times or in between those times we'd be doing things with our dogs and then when we were away our dogs would be resting but now humans are mostly home all the time and the thing with that is a lot of dogs have always associated their humans with activity and the presence of their humans as, all right, we're going to be doing something together. Because a lot of dogs, um, they're home alone throughout the day. And so that's the time where they knew that the structure of their day represented sleeping at the times they were alone. And when their humans were home, that was the time that they were interacting and socially engaging with their families. But now humans are home all the time. So what I've seen is a lot of dogs um, kind of always being ready to go and always being ready to be active versus resting periodically throughout the day, which is what's actually natural for dogs. And I'm not sure if I've said this before on this podcast, um, but if you've worked with me, you've probably heard this, or if you studied dog behavior, dogs are what's called polyphasic sleepers, which means it's normal for them to sleep in different phases throughout the day. That's actually very healthy for them. And um, because that's natural for them, it is necessary for their overall mental and physical health. But now that humans are around a lot, even if dogs are kind of briefly napping, a lot of them are ready to spring up at any second and see kind of like what action they should be involved in. So for these dogs, they're not getting the um, decompression and rest time that they need throughout the day to reach a balanced psychological and physical state. So a lot of these dogs are always wired, always ready for action, always ready to jump up at the first sign of action with their humans, because for them, humans have already, the presence of their humans has always represented, okay, it's time to engage, it's time to be active, it's time to do something together. 
So that's one way that I'm seeing the lack of structures affecting dogs because a lot of dogs are kind of in a heightened state of excitement all the time because they're kind of anticipating some type of action or engagement from their humans. Um, and for these dogs, I'm seeing a lot of increase in reactivity, whether that's out the window barking at things, um, barking at their humans um, or just on walks with other dogs basically any type of overreaction to a situation because they're kind of spring-loaded and ready to go at all times the other side that i'm seeing with the lack of structures in the house is dogs who are becoming really really dependent on their humans um, being in their humans personal space so a lot of dogs now are spending almost all of their times basically in their human's personal bubble. And the only time they rest or the only time they um, actually settle is within their human space now, just because by default, their people are around all the time now. So what myself and a lot of other trainers are seeing is a big increase in separation anxiety. And that's because whether a dog is just sleeping within your personal space, like right next to you, or if they're sleeping always on top of you or on your foot or on your bed or on your couch with you, what your dog is learning is that the only time they rest is when they're physically close to you and they're becoming dependent on that. As well, psychologically for dogs, if a dog is on something or closer to something, they have the right to claim that thing. And if a dog feels that they own access to your personal space, they um, psychologically feel like they have ownership of what you do. And so it can be very, very stressful for them when you leave because in their mind, they're supposed to be controlling your space. And now that you're gone, they feel really, really insecure. And I always compare it to like a relationship where you talk all the time, you text all the time, and then if you don't answer your uh, like relationship partner's text, they freak out, they call you 100 times, they show up at your house. That's essentially what's going on with separation anxiety because you've made yourself accessible at all times and shown that you don't have boundaries. Your private personal space is always accessible to your dog and your dog has become insecure and dependent on that. And so that lack of personal boundaries really creates a lot of anxiety and insecurity in a dog when they are then left alone and no longer have access to you. So those are basically the two main behavior issues that I'm seeing a lot of as a result of lack of structures in the home and lack of structures in dogs' lives these days. Number one is an increase in reactivity, whether, like I said, that's barking out the window, um, barking at their owners for attention, freaking out when guests come over, or barking at dogs on the street or other triggers on the street, and separation anxiety. Those are the two um, that I'm finding a lot of common issues with with a lot of people whether their dog had that a little bit before and it's become even more aggravated during lockdown or it's something new that's developed during lockdown or you just adopted a dog starting with the first lockdown or sometime during and it's something that's developed so i want to talk a little bit about setting your dog up for success through creating structure in the household and structure in their everyday lives and although these things might take a couple weeks um, to see results because it can take some time for a dog to change their habits, especially if they're very used to something. I guarantee if you do this, these things, you will see results and your dog's going to feel a lot calmer, a lot more um, trusting in the environment and a lot less anxious and reactive. Okay, I have to say this. And it's something I say all the time. If you've listened to this podcast, especially the first episode, you know that I'm all about owner responsibility. And I strongly believe and have always seen that as a dog owner, you have the most influence on your dog's behavior. Your state of mind and your behavior is what's going to cause the greatest influence on your dog's state of mind and their behavior because they're social animals. And so naturally, they're going to pick up on 
um, and be influenced by the habits of the people or dogs that they spend the most time around. So check out our first podcast and our podcast on energy if you want to hear more on those topics. But the reason that I'm bringing it up it up now is because I want people to understand without a shadow of a doubt that if you want your dog's behavior to change, you must change your own behavior and you must be consistent about those changes. Otherwise, do not expect your dog to change because they won't. They only are capable of change. Um, They don't have the self-awareness to say, you know what, I think I'm going to change myself. They need you to change for them, for them to be able to. And I'll talk a little bit more about um, that throughout this podcast and the importance of having support and all that stuff. But I just wanted to make that caveat because it's just so important to me. And there's been so many times where I've worked with people who've wanted their dogs to change, but they're not really willing to put in the effort. to make consistent changes themselves and inevitably they don't get results. Okay, I'm not going (laughs) to go on this rant too much because that's basically just every other podcast I've made. Um, So let's get into some ways that you can easily implement structure into your dog's everyday life. Okay, so I am all about boundaries with dogs. Like I said in my example of the person who gives too much access to their personal space, um, creating like that creates neurotic feelings and behavior from their dogs. That's really, really foundational to my training is having strong boundaries around your personal space. For dogs, they don't really communicate through words sometimes they vocalize. But for the most part, a lot of their subtle social communications come through how they interact with other individuals in their space. And I actually do have an IGTV video talking about the importance of space with dogs. So check that out if you haven't already on our Instagram. Um, And I'm actually thinking about doing a specific podcast on it because of how important it is. But like I mentioned before, for dogs, whoever's closer to something or on something, they have a claim to that thing. And For dogs who don't have boundaries around personal space with their owners, as well as boundaries around the space in their home, they're always going to be confused about where they fit in and what they're supposed to be doing. So number one, your dog should have a space that's their very own that is completely just symbolic of them resting and decompressing. And most of the time, I recommend having a crate be that space. Why a crate? Well, it's a contained area, so it's easy to um, like. It's easy to see that this is there's not that much to do in there. It's a resting space. It's something that you can move around, so you don't have to be reliant on using a separate room um, in the house. And it's a easy way to create both a physical and a psychological boundary for your dog. When you do crate training properly, the crate does the work for you. Like I cannot emphasize enough how much I love crate training. And I will talk about it a little bit more specifically when we get into the Q&As. But basically introducing a crate to your dog or continuing to use a crate um, throughout, honestly throughout their lives, but definitely throughout the phase of lockdown and the phase afterwards, is going to give your dog a consistent space that's away from you to decompress and rest and feel calm in. So I believe that every single day, especially if you're home throughout the day, your dog should be spending at least some time resting in a crate. Like I said, for the dogs who always feel like they need to be a part of things and want to be part of the action when their humans are home, the crate is a great way to give them a degree of separation and a way to experience being in the same area maybe, but not a part of things and being okay with taking a back seat and not having to jump up and not having to be involved in things. It's also a really great way to manage their reactivity um, for, you know, if you're working, if you're doing things in your home office, your dog can be crated and you don't have to worry about what they're getting into. Are they barking out the window and all that stuff. And it's a really good way for them to practice decompressing throughout the day and getting that deep phases of sleep that they need throughout the day, which is going to make them 
overall a calmer dog. Because like I said before, the dogs who are always ready to jump up at every moment, those dogs are never fully relaxing throughout the day. And so they're always a little bit tense, which means they're always going to be a little bit more reactive. Because just like humans, the more tense you already feel going into a situation, the more likely you are to react emotionally. Versus if you're calmer in a situation, you're more likely to be able to pause and respond. For example, you're stressed in traffic, someone cuts you off, maybe you're going to yell at them. Or you're calm in traffic, someone cuts you off, whatever, it's not a big deal. So that's what the crate allows for dogs. It allows them to reach that calm state of rest that they need throughout the day, um, as well as practicing having boundaries with you and knowing that it's totally healthy and normal to be separate from their humans at times. But um, specifically talking about reactivity, that's kind of why the crate is really, really helpful. Or if they're reactive when guests come over, they can practice chilling out in their crate instead. Actually, right now, all my dogs are currently resting in their crates. And if you hear a little noise, that's the sleeping noise that one of my dogs makes when he's really, really tired. So even though I'm basically talking nonstop right now, all my dogs, which is my three dogs and our one board and train right now, are nicely asleep in their each of their own spaces. And um, yeah, it's going to help them overall just how they feel throughout the day. Now, when it comes to the dogs who have separation anxiety, crate training is a really great way to start getting them comfortable with a degree of separation from you without taking the huge leap of leaving them completely alone right away. And that's the greatest mistake that I usually see with um, people whose dogs have separation anxiety. The mistake that I'm talking about is a lot of people will just leave their dogs suddenly without having practiced any degrees of separation. So their dog is constantly sleeping on their lap or in their personal space. Um, maybe even their dog gets anxious if they go to the bathroom and tries to follow them into the bathroom or they follow them around the house compulsively. And then the human just leaves and the dog freaks out because they've never practiced resting or feeling okay at all with any degree of separation from their human. So when it comes to introducing a crate, for a dog who has separation anxiety, I have a whole process that I go through. But to simplify things, I start with having the crate be in the same room as their human and just introducing them to the crate while you're in the same room as them. And once they're comfortable with resting in the crate with you right there, that's where you can start playing around with distance, with you being in different rooms or you um, being completely out of their sight, but still in the house. Once they're good with that, then you can start leaving them. And I won't go too much into my crate training um, here because it's a very step-by-step -step detailed process, but the idea is the same for every single dog with separation anxiety. If your dog can comfortably rest in a crate with you right there, then comfortably rest in the crate when you're moving around or out of the area then they can do so when you actually leave the house and you can start with small absences um, and you should practice every single day having them rest at least once if not more than that in the crate um, and for these dogs the crate can become a representation of not just a physical boundary it's not just about physically confining them, but it's a psychological boundary as well, indicating that you want space from them and you want them to feel okay about that. You want them to feel good about that. Even though you're separate, you want them to see this space of the crate as a way for them to feel um, safe and relaxed and be able to rest in there until you come back for them. So that's kind of my little rant on crate training. It's a really, really easy way to introduce structure into your dog's life every day by giving them a designated nap time as well as some boundaries around the house where um, they are comfortable with being separate from you even if there's action going on. Okay, now that I've talked for like 10 minutes about crate training, which in case you haven't noticed, I love crates, they're amazing. They do the work for you 
every dog should be crate trained. Um, let me talk about some other ways that you can work to implement structures into your everyday life in the house. So other than the crate, a really, really common training concept is place, which is essentially asking a dog to stay in a given spot and relax. And it's very, very similar to the crate, except that while the crate is a little bit more of a physical boundary, meaning that a dog can't really choose to leave the crate, the place is a purely psychological boundary because there is a physical designation of the space, but it's very easy for a dog to step off of it. So I guess I shouldn't say it's purely psychological, but it's more so. And so that can be a good uh, challenging in a good way exercise for your dog to practice resting in a given space um, and essentially relinquishing control of everything else that's going on around them, which is very important for the dogs who try and control their environment through reactivity or who feel anxious and controlling about their owner's personal space. So if even once a day you want to bring your dog to a designated dog bed or a raised cot, and I use a leash to do this, you bring them over there, and if they get off, you bring them right back on, and all you really wanna do is just hold them accountable to staying within the physical boundary of the place. I like to do this as a pack rest time. I find that dogs pick up on it a lot quicker if you're also resting with them. For example, you're sitting on the couch and they're on place nearby you versus if you're moving around a lot at first because then they might think that they're supposed to be part of the action as well. But once your dog is calm and comfortable resting on a designated place while you're resting, you can incorporate some movement. You can have them on place while you're making food or while you're, um, you know, moving around a room. The difference between the crate and the place is that the place should always be supervised because you want to maintain the boundary of it. And if your dog can just get off at any time, that boundary becomes fuzzy and unclear to them. So if you can't be watching, I do crate to make sure that a dog's relaxing if I'm not sure that they will be, if I'm not there. If I'm there, I'll use the place as well. Both of those are a really great, um, especially the place, a really good way to control any anxious or reactive impulses for a dog and to teach them to settle in a, uh, in a way where you're setting boundaries around their space. Um, another point where I love to do some structured work is at thresholds, which is doorways, including the crate door. Many dogs rush through doorways and become very excited when they do so. And so it's a great time to practice giving space, giving eye contact, and waiting for permission to go through. So if all you were to change in your house is crate time, place time, and controlling thresholds, you will see a difference in your dog's behavior in the house. Now, if you have a dog that is very anxious in the house or very active in the house, I'll also recommend using a leash in the house. That way, you can directly offer them guidance through the leash by keeping them away from an area where you don't want them getting in trouble, whether it's getting into things, barking out the window, anything like that, and you can use the leash to guide them away. So these key aspects, the crate, the place, thresholds, using a leash if you need to, or even baby gates if you need to, will allow you to set up a structure within your home where your dog understands what's expected of them, when you want them to rest, and when you want them to give you space and allow you to take leadership of the situation. Now, as far as structuring your dog's day, I like to set designated times to do work with my dogs, which I consider um, any type of training exercise is going to be work, whether that's working at thresholds, working at like crate training, um, doing leash work, which is one of my go-tos, or obedience training, or um, urban agility training, where you're teaching your dog to climb on things and balance. I set a designated time for that. I also set a designated time for playtime with dogs. Now I have multiple dogs, so my dogs can always play together, but I still like to set some times to individually play with my dogs through fetch or tug. Um, those are really the two that I do with my dogs, but it's good to set a separate time to do their work time and their playtime. I mean, those two things 
you can combine them as well. But the reason I'm saying set a designated time for it is because a lot of dogs are, when they don't have that, they're like pushing you with their toys to play or getting antsy and active in the house because they don't have a designated time to express their desire to work and to express their desire to play. So I set times to do that. I make sure that I go out with my dogs, we do our leash work, we do our walks, which is my version of work time for them, specific time for them to play in the yard or um, play fetch or tug in the field with me on a long leash so that they don't feel like they're lacking that and needing to um, bother me to play or work while they're in the house throughout the day. So just like we have designated downtime through the crate and the place, we also have a designated time for work and play. One more thing, actually, now I'm kind of getting into the second topic. So let me just end it with that. That's kind of the structure of the day, basically. Both the structure in the home, meaning the expectations you set. So I use tools like the crate, the place, the leash, and um, times or I guess locations like thresholds to set expectations of how I want my dogs to be behaving at those times and what I want them to be doing. And I also designate times to be working with them and playing with them so that they also know when they're expected to be doing those things or when they're designated to be doing those things. All right, I've been podcasted for a while, so this is going to just end up me talking for an extremely long time about these concepts. So hopefully it's interesting, but okay. Getting into my second topic after structure, which is essential for all dog owners to succeed with their dog during and after lockdown. And um, once you've established a structure, you can keep it up after lockdown ends. Number two, a really, really important concept for every dog is adequate exercise. And I'm not just talking about physically burning your dog out and exhausting your dog. When I say exercise, I mean physical exercise, yes, but also mental stimulation and social stimulation. Your dog needs all those three things on a regular basis, especially if you have a younger or higher energy or higher drive dog. If your dog isn't getting the right physical, mental, and social stimulation, they will be restless. They will be pent up. And no matter how much structure you do in the household, they're still going to be on edge because they're needing to be exercised and to be worked and to be mentally, physically, and socially stimulated. So when it comes to physical exercise, I like to combine physical and mental exercise for the most part. Purely physical exercise would be essentially just letting your dog into an open area just to run aimlessly, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but for many dogs that can actually cause a lot of um, state of mind which leads to behavioral issues because they're just learning to be amped up and wild. And so I know a lot of people who will bring their dog, for example, to a dog park, their dog will run around aimlessly and play in a state of high intensity and kind of like scattered all over the placeness for a couple hours. And then they'll come home and stay in that state of mind. So I much rather incorporate physical and mental exercise together. And that's where something like leash work comes in or fetch or tug with some structure to it, meaning you have designated expectations for your dog. So during your leash work, you're expecting your dog to be focused with you, to stay in their lane while you stay in yours. And during your structured fetch or tug, you're expecting them to give you space, give you eye contact and wait for permission before you're throwing the ball. You're expecting them to bring it back to you. They're expe- you're expecting them to release it when you say so. Versus you bring them out for a walk, they zigzag all over the place, they pull you all over the place. The, there's no structure there. And with the exercise, your dog, or sorry, with fetch or tug, your dog barks at you, you throw the ball. Your dog jumps on you, you throw the ball. There's no structure there. So that structured component is where the mental exercise comes in because your dog has to process what are the rules of the game or the work that we're doing. When it's a free-for-all for a dog, it can cause a lot of anxiety because they don't know what the limits are and that's stressful. Like picture a sports game if there were no rules or if there were no referees. It would probably be really, really chaotic and maybe the players would be anxious not knowing if they're going to get hurt or like what's going to happen. So physical and mental exercise or 
even structured exercise, as you can call it, is a really, really key aspect for a dog because you they need to physically work themselves, um, just like humans. If they're not active, that's psychologically and physically unhealthy for them. They need activity, but they also need a mental or structured component to that activity. So same with a human, right? You're whatever physical activity you do, whether it's going to the gym or running or whatever it is or playing a sport, there's always going to be psychological rules to that. And that's kind of the mental component of exercise. And for dogs, anything that involves working their brain is exercise for them as well. Even if they're not really going anywhere, but you're doing leash drills with them or you're doing obedience training with them, that's going to still work them and give them a physical and mental outlet. Another um, really easy mental outlet for a dog is something like a chew bone or um, yeah, like a raw bone or a chew toy or something like that because chewing is mentally stimulating for dogs as well. This definitely shouldn't replace actually leaving your house and exercising, but it's an easy way to add a little bit of mental stimulation to your dog's day. Um, now, this is something that just alone, physical and mental exercise, it's definitely been lacking for a lot of dogs and honestly mine included, especially throughout the winter and throughout the lockdown because it wasn't that appealing to go anywhere. But now that it's spring, now that it's nice weather, we have no more excuses and we all need to get out there and do some physical and mental exercise with our dogs. For the average medium energy like medium age dog, anywhere between one to seven years old, the average dog needs a minimum of one hour active a day. And that is the bare minimum. Most dogs, especially a younger, higher energy dog, is going to do better with something like three to four hours active a day, if not more. So obviously for a lot of people, that might not be realistic for them to designate that much time to their dog. Um, so I say like aim for a minimum of one active hour and when you can, such as on a weekend, designate some more time to do more activities with your dog. Or if you really can't, if even if you can only commit to the bare minimum of an hour, enlist a dog walker or a structured dog daycare to help support you and make sure your dog is getting the physical and mental stimulation that they actually need. Um, and that's going to make them an easier dog for you to handle because they'll have some more of their drive to work fulfilled and they'll be less antsy throughout the day. Now, talking about social stimulation, yes, that involves being around dogs and being around people, but it also means being in a variety of environments. The majority of dogs have a fairly strong instinct to migrate, which means they naturally will explore different territories throughout their lives. And what's been happening throughout lockdown, and my dogs had struggled with this because of me as well, is that a lot of us end up just staying in the same area and doing the same loop around the block with our dogs. But this causes some pent upness and frustration for dogs because they're not being exposed to new things as they naturally would be. And honestly, same for us humans. If you never leave your house, if you never leave your neighborhood, it bec you become very restless and you start to feel like you're caged in, I guess, psychologically. So social stimulation is really, really, really key for dogs. And that's one of the hardest things during lockdown, because obviously we want to comply with the regulations and make sure that we're not like putting others at risk. So you have to make sure you're doing that within obviously the confines of lockdown, but it still has to be done with your dog if you want them to be, uh, you know, healthy, essentially. So if you have access to a car, I highly, highly recommend driving to new areas with your dog. And many, many dogs are anxious in new areas these days because they're not used to being exposed to them. So even if you just go for a short trip, do some leash training or do some um, uh, training drills of any kind, that's a really key aspect for your dog. And I guarantee your dog's going to be much more tired when they've been able to go to a new environment. Since it's been nice, I've been making it a goal to bring my dogs to as many new places as possible. And I definitely see improvements in their behavior just from making that change alone. I mentioned before work and play as being very important 
physical and mental stimulation for dogs. And I guess play is also social stimulation when it comes to um, playing with other dogs or playing with you. But social stimulation is also about exploring new environments and experiencing new environments. So the chance to explore on a long leash if your dog isn't reliable off leash is an extremely important and fulfilling component of a dog's life. So I think everybody should be making a point to bring their dog to new places as often as they can, even if it's just for short training sessions and short play or explore sessions. It's going to give your dog that social stimulation that they need. And when things go back to normal and you are able to bring them more places, they're going to feel a lot more confident versus a dog who's been essentially shut in to just their usual environment. That dog's going to feel very anxious when they leave. Um, and they're going to feel frustrated when they don't leave. So it's a lose-lose situation, essentially, to not be bringing your dog places. Like I said, you got to comply with the lockdown regulations. So if you don't have access to a car, you can consider bringing your dog on public transit during the off hours, or even simply taking them on a walk in a completely new direction than you normally would. Um, and those are things that's really, really going to help your dog feel like they really got out there and they got not just physically tired, but socially and mentally stimulated as well. So yeah, those two things, structure and exercise, are two key components to having a psychologically and physically healthy dog that's happy and confident and fulfilled in their lives. And that's at all times, not just during lockdown. But those are two things that I've seen lacking so much for dogs these days and it's causing a lot of behavioral issues um, whether it's a lack of boundaries or a lack of enough um, physical mental and social exercise if your dog is missing out on those things they are going to have behavior issues and until you change your lifestyle with your dog to address those things those behavior issues are going to continue even after lockdown ends so now that the weather's getting nicer here and now that you have this information, you have no excuse. Make sure you're doing these things with your dog um, because as their owner, it's your responsibility to make sure that their needs for structure to their lives and exercise are met. And when you do those things, I guarantee you, if not all, most of their behavior problems are going to vanish because the root cause is being addressed. Okay, so I'm going to talk specifically about some of the issues that people reached out to me about, some of the questions that they asked me, and get more in depth about details and answers to those questions. Okay, so the most common question I got when I reached out to my Instagram audience was about separation anxiety. And although I did discuss it, I want to get a little bit more into detail about it because it really does seem to be extremely common. So some of the questions were literally just, what do I do about my dog separation anxiety? Or um, what do I do? Like my dog separation anxiety has gotten a lot worse during lockdown. They had it before and now it's gotten worse. So whether your dog has just developed this behavior or it's something that they already had before that's been aggravated during lockdown, immediately what you need to do with your dog is to start setting boundaries around your personal space and become very conscious about how you're allowing access to your personal space with your dog. Every single dog that I see with separation anxiety usually feels dependent on sleeping physically on their owners, if not right next to them, follows them around the house, and it's not just about your dog's behavior, it's about your behavior unintentionally rewarding those things as well. So like I said in talking about structure, your dog needs to practice being separate from you every single day. Get a crate right away, get a dog bed right away, and start working with those things with your dog. Start introducing um, those tools and those concepts of designated separation and rest time to them. Even if that means your dog rests on a place right next to you instead of on your lap or rests in a crate right next to you, it's a start. It's already setting a little bit of boundaries for your dog to understand that your personal space is something that 
deserves respect and deserves to be um, like that you deserve to give them access when you choose, which should be a rule for every relationship. Nobody, including your dog, should feel like they have free access to you at all times because that's when you're a pushover. That's when you're a doormat and that's when they become insecure and controlling. So setting those boundaries with your dog every single day is key. Even if that means you're going to do 30 minutes of place training right next to you and 10 to 20 minutes of crate training right next to you every single day to start, it's a start. And then within a week, once your dog's comfortable with that or however long it takes, you can move to letting them rest in those spaces while you're across the room. Then when you leave the room and then when you leave the house. Um, Like I said before, it's an overview of crate training. If your dog has really severe separation anxiety to the point where they're like destroying things or injuring themselves when you leave, I highly recommend getting a dog trainer even virtually to help you through that process. Um, But if your dog has more minor separation anxiety, such as whining or crying when, when you leave, you may be able to work through it on your own if you feel comfortable doing so. The other side of the equation, other than the boundaries that you're going to give your dog, is how you interact with your dog as well. Most people whose dogs have separation anxiety, they're unintentionally rewarding their dog's anxious feelings and behavior. So when their dog comes over to them, they give them access to their personal space or they even encourage it through affection. You need to get serious about setting boundaries with your dog and understanding the role that your affection plays on your dog. Because like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you're the number one influence on how they feel and behave. So if you are like agreeing with and allowing your dog in your personal space, you have to understand that you're actually creating or if not creating, then reinforcing that behavior in your dog, those feelings in that behavior. So if you're somebody whose dog has separation anxiety, your um, your relationship with boundaries around your space with them needs to be looked at. They should not be sleeping in your bed. I'm 100% serious about this. They shouldn't be in your bed. They shouldn't be on your lap. They shouldn't be on the couch with you. Doesn't mean you shouldn't cuddle them. Dogs deserve cuddles, especially the ones who like it. Well, only the ones who like it. And um, affection is a really important part of your relationship with your dog. But affection has to be timed. And if you're timing affection for the times where your dog is pushing your personal boundaries and barging into them and claiming you, you're teaching your dog that you're happy to be a doormat. You're happy to be submissive to them, which isn't a healthy dynamic for a dog and owner to have. The owner should always be in charge of the space because dogs psychologically aren't capable of being leaders. And that's where they become very anxious when they feel like they have to control a space. So You ought to get really, really firm about setting boundaries with your dog. Give them their own space to rest in. And when it comes to affection, save your affection for the times where your dog is feeling good. You want your affection to be something that rewards relaxation and something that your dog can calmly enjoy versus something that's encouraging and rewarding anxiety. So for anyone whose dog is dealing with separation anxiety, get started with setting boundaries right away and do it every single day, even if you're not leaving the house yet, even if your dog isn't being left alone yet, start setting some incremental boundaries around your space and get really, really, really aware of when you're giving affection and um, how much access you're giving your dog to your space when they're feeling compulsive about being nearby you. Okay. The second question I get a lot of is how to set your dog up for success for when things go back to normal. So like I said, everything in this episode kind of ties into that. But talking more specifically, a lot of people right now have a lot of time and they're home a lot. And so maybe they do have more time to spend with their dogs. Like I said, for everybody, I recommend you spend your time with your dog in intentional and structured ways, because that's going to influence their state of mind and their behavior for the better. But what I also recommend to a lot of people is getting your dog in with a consistent um, dog walker or dog daycare or some type of social outlet. Getting a 
really uh, solid dog walker, solid dog daycare is a really great way to make sure that your dog is ongoing, going to be getting the exercise and the social stimulation that they need. And if you establish that right now, when you leave and go back to work, it's already going to be a normal part of their routine. Your dog is already going to be used to getting um, the amount of stimulation and exercise that they need, and they're going to be used to the different social circles that they'll be in with different handlers and different other dogs, if they're comfortable around other dogs, obviously. And that way, when you do start to go back to work, that pattern's already going to be established with them, and they're already going to be comfortable in that routine. Other than that, those are really, that's really my only other specific that I didn't get into detail with. If you are being structured with your dog in terms of implementing structure in the home and also creating a structure for their day, and you're being conscious of giving them exercise in a physical and mental way, as well as a social way, which is just about exposure to different environments and different people and different dogs, that's going to set them up for success already when you go back to work. If your dog is going to be crated for many hours throughout the day when you do end up going back to work, increase their crate time throughout the day. Don't just do an hour here and there. If they're going to be crated for um, a full work day, I do recommend, like I said, get a dog walker or dog daycare to break that day up. But for a stretch of four to six hours at a time, it's totally fine and normal for dogs if they're getting exercise in between that time in the crate. But give them that time in the crate now. Let them practice what they would be practicing when you leave. And if you want to create kind of like a plan for what your life will be like when you go back to normal, as much as you can with the confines of lockdown, give your dog that life right now, even though you might still be at home with them. Another really common question I got is how to successfully socialize your dog when right now we can't be in crowds, we should be socially distancing outside of our bubble or whatever. (laughs) I don't even know what the word is for that. How do you still successfully socialize your dog? And this is a really important question. I'm all about socialization. So I'm glad this was asked a lot. So when it comes to socialization, it can be done at a six feet distance, meaning you can definitely bring your dog to areas where you're able to maintain a social distance and simply practice your training with them or playing with them or exploring with them in a safe way. So you can have them on a long line if you're doing exploring or if you're doing play like fetch or tug. You can have them on their regular leash and do leash work with them. You can do your obedience with them in different environments. And that alone is already socializing your dog. Even though your dog's not necessarily interacting with people and new dogs in those times, they're still getting exposure to them. So that's still a key component of socialization. And they're learning to still maintain the behavior that you want, whether that's having fun, exploring, or working with you. They're able to still do those things with distractions and different things around. Um, And like I said, bringing them to new environments as much as you can, whether that's something as simple as a parking lot and doing your fetch and tug on a long leash or some leash work in a different parking lot where there's people and dogs milling about at a distance, a park or a trail or an area of the city where you um, are able to keep some social distance, that's already going to go a long way for your dog. Like I also said, getting them in with a good dog walker or dog daycare is going to allow them to get social interactions with other dogs and other people. So that's a really good kind of easy, let someone else do the work for you type of way to do that. And when you have or if you have friends or people that you know with other dogs, you can set up. Um, some socially distance approved play dates as well. So I talk a lot about socialization having different components and not just being about playing or interacting. It's also about coexisting and being around different people and dogs. So when I set up a play date with a dog, I like to spend some time where the dogs simply walk together and ignore each other or train around each other and sometimes where they have access to play together. So despite the fact that we are locked down and we don't have as much access or ability to socialize, there are still ways to get your dog social exposure. Bring them to different areas to train, work, and play. 
get them in with a dog walker or a dog daycare if you can and set up some socially distance or, um, you know, sanitized ways to hang out with people and dogs that you know. The last thing that I want to touch on when it comes to successfully socializing your dog during this time, which like I said, it's not just about them interacting with new people and dogs. It's also about them being able to accept and be in the presence of those things is like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people's dogs are struggling with reactivity at this time. So when it comes to seeking out new environments and new situations, don't be afraid to seek out easy wins. You don't have to bring your dog to a super challenging environment and you shouldn't if you know they're not ready to handle it or if you're not confident in handling it. Build up your confidence with your dog by yes, getting out of your comfort zone and going to new environments, but seeking out environments that while maybe a little bit challenging to work in won't be completely overwhelming for you and your dog. The example that I mentioned of going to the parking lot is one of my go-tos because it's usually a situation where you're able to get some space from everything else that's going on, but there's still things moving and walking by you. So those are an easy place to work, especially if you're um, in the city. But even for my city people, going to different areas of your building, if you have access to like an amenities room or a back area of the building, those are some easy places to get started working in um, and socializing your dog to where you can start building them up in new environments as well and if you have access to a car driving to a new park or a new trail that is by default more socially distanced is also going to make it easier to start building up your dog's confidence in different social situations all right so just to summarize during lockdown, it's a hard time for our dogs. Our lifestyles have changed, our mental health may be struggling, and they're not getting the structure and the exercise that they need to thrive. So make an effort as your dog's owner to give them those things every day. If you find that you're struggling with those things, I highly recommend getting support whether it's from dog trainers, going to group classes, socially distanced, or training sessions, or virtual, even multiple trainers, um, seeing them on an ongoing basis, having a dog walker, or dog daycare that you trust, or even friends and family. Have support for your dog so that it's not overwhelming for you, if it is. Make it so that you're able to meet their needs, even if you personally don't currently have the capacity to do that with how much time you have or um, what, what you have access to with your dog. Your dog needs that. And I really feel like having a support system needs to be talked about more because as social animals, it's something that every dog needs and every human needs. And I actually do plan to talk more about this on the podcast because it's something that I'm so passionate about and I feel like everybody needs. We all need to feel like we're not alone. We have people to rely on and not necessarily just one person. We need a support system like multiple people to rely on. So if you don't have that for your dog, even if you are somebody who has a lot of time to spend with your dog, I still recommend developing a support system because even me as somebody who spends all day working with dogs, there's times where maybe I want to do something else or times where I'm too busy to um, give time to each individual dog. And so I make sure that I have a support system as well through my assistants mainly and through my family to help me take care and through one dog goes to boarding sometimes um, to make sure that my dogs are getting their needs met. And even as a dog trainer, I need that even as someone who does this full time. So for all the people out there who work full time or work part time and have a dog, having a support system is a really, really great way to ensure that you don't feel like you're in it alone. You don't feel overwhelmed and you do feel like your dog's going to get their needs met. And so when it comes to the time that you spend with your dog, there's less pressure on you to fulfill all of their needs because others are helping you with it. And also because this podcast is really about the connection between human and dog behavior, it's really important as humans for us to have a support system during this time. 
I know for myself, as someone who's the only human in a household with animals, there are definitely times where I feel alone and times where I feel like I'm lacking in connection because of how much time we've all had to spend self-isolating. And in 2021, my main goal is to make sure that I always have a support system in place for not just for my dogs, but for myself as well. Because like I said, as social individuals, we need that to thrive. And whether that's having support for your mental health through therapists, or I work with um, an energy healer at times who is amazing. So let me know if you want that recommendation. I will connect you with her. Um, Spending time with my family, being able to connect with friends, like in socially distanced ways, or even through the phone or through um, text or messaging. Make sure that you feel supported and understand that you deserve to feel supported and you should never feel like you're in it alone because that's not what being a human is. Being a human is about being a part of a community and whether that's your family, your chosen family, your friends, your colleagues, whatever it is, we all need that. And ultimately, if we don't have that, our dogs will suffer as a result too because they're going to be influenced by our state of mind and our behavior. So I'll leave that I'll leave this uh, topic here for today. Hopefully this information was helpful for you. And I appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe or follow depending on what platform you listen on. Leave us a rating or a review and share with a friend. And I'll be back soon with some more content on here about how we as dog owners can improve our lives with our dogs and all about the connection between human behavior and dog behavior. So until next time, all my fellow Canadians, enjoy the spring weather, get out there with your dogs, spend some time with them, bring them new places, and I will be back soon. Thank you.